Hey everyone, I'm Jonathan Grzbowski, and this is a Blind Entrepreneurship bonus episode brought to you by Penji, a podcast that helps entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision to profitability. On today's episode of Community Conversations that features a conversation with Lorraine Pereira and also Sakina Brody, a director of partnerships, uh, we talk about the uh, how this founder is revolutionizing donating to the homeless in a society that is now going cashless. Probably one of the more intriguing conversations that I've uh, heard and, and really excited for you all to hear it as well. Um, Lorraine is the director of um, director of Give Card, a nonprofit that is revolutionizing how to donate to homeless people with with debit cards. Lorraine speaks about the epiphany moment that led to him starting the organization and how he balances a double major with multiple brands and his passion to fix things in society. This man is a master of a lot of things, and I'm curious to hear in several years from now the future of what Give Card actually will do. I hope and I pray that um, this is a start of a revolutionary product. And uh, if we could, just by a show of support, head over to TBE Show to learn more about this company, um, how we could help, how we could spread awareness. Or if you just don't feel like going to the website, head over to the show notes and everything will be in there as well. Go out there and execute your vision and enjoy the show. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> how's it How's it going? How's your day so far? Um, busy day, <laughs> okay, but doing well. Yeah, um, so Lorraine is the director of a nonprofit called Give Card, um, in which they have specialized debit cards that uh, they give to the homeless to help people donate in a way that's transparent, which I think is super cool. Um, and he's also a, a double major student um, at, at Boston College. So I want you to talk a little bit about that um, and kind of like your upbringing, how you got to the point of creating your own nonprofit. Um, so where do you want to start? Yeah, I guess I can start do a brief thing on like my actual background and then transition into how gift card was founded. Nice. Very cool. So um, I grew up in Malawi. Um, I'm originally Sri Lankan by blood, but I spent my first 18 years of life in Malawi, so a small African country. Um, from there, uh, I came to BC, like my first experience with America is coming to college here at BC. And so I came up here, um, and then in my sophomore year, I was getting dinner with a couple of my roommates in, um, I don't know how familiar you are with Boston, but in the Alston area. And so it was late October, so really cold. And we're coming back from dinner and we bumped into a, a homeless man in the street. And mm. so we started chatting to him for a bit as we waited for our train to come. And so we talked for a good five minutes and he was a really nice guy. Um, and he was talking about how hard it is with the cold and everything. And then eventually um, at the end of our conversation, when we had to hop on the train, he said, he pulled out a little white cup and he said, if you guys have any spare change or any cash on you, it would really help. I need a new winter jacket. Mm -hmm. And so um, my roommates and I were like, yeah, sure. And so we all pulled out our wallets, the three of us. We rifled through our wallets and all three of us at the same time realized that we were carrying no cash. Mm. And we just said, sorry, we don't have any cash on us. And he said, don't worry, it happens all the time. And that was the kind of beginning of this whole like realization um, that was going through us. And then one of my roommates said, wow, it'd be so easy if we could just Venmo him. And mm -hmm. that's when things started spinning in my head where like, Homeless people are people who 
depend almost entirely on cash donations, at least the people who um, you know, look for money in the street. And in a world that's going increasingly cashless, yep. they're just becoming increasingly marginalized. And that's where the thoughts started spinning in my head and how do we solve this? And my roommate's suggestion, Venmo, that was the right track where we said, well, money's digital these days. Is there a way we can connect the digital world to homeless people? in a way that is still like viable and like still it has to have an aspect of trust to it if we're going to innovate yep so a couple of weeks go by and i was thinking often it on my spare time and one day i came up with the idea of specialized debit cards i think i personally got a venmo card and I went, well if venmo can turn you know these digital like their own currency into a real thing why can't we figure something out and uh, that was the idea of gift cards the idea is a specialized debit card, you essentially give it to a few partnered homeless people. Mm. And then if you encounter a homeless person in the street, they'd have a sign of some sort that says to donate to me, go to this link or scan this code for responsibly managed money. And you'd scan that code and be a simple like five to 15 second donation system. It integrates with Apple Pay and all of that. So it's super simple. And your donation goes through and goes directly to their card immediately. Mm. And the cards are specialized. We realized when we we're building this program that we have this unique opportunity where we're innovating so much that we can add things that were never there in the field of donations. We said, let's put like the specialized, let's put limitations on the cards in a way that they still have this great financial freedom, but let's block the cards from buying alcohol. Um, that's just one little thing that the cards can do and the cards can't access an ATM. So there's no cash access. And, um, oh, they, they cannot access ATMs? Yeah, no ATM okay. access. Gotcha. Uh, it's a closed loop, so you all the money that goes to the cards has to be spent on the cards. There's no way of getting the money off the cards without purchasing mm, them. Gotcha. Um, and the purpose of that is that transparency. Mm -hmm. So we've added in layers. So say you donate $20 to someone and he purchases some stuff, you get an email later on telling you what he bought with that $20, just in broad categories. Like he's thanks for donating to Steve, he spent your $20 don donation on water and clothing. And mm. it's not to a degree that it's so personal, like Steve bought this brand of clothing, right, right. Yeah. But, but it's just broad enough that you know, okay, this donation actually went to a good cause. Yep. And um, we thought this was important because we started running surveys. Uh, back then I had two freshmen were helping me do some research on climate change. Uh, when I was coming up with the idea of gift card. And so I just asked them, can you guys do a quick, like a quick survey for me on homelessness and this type of donation? They came back with this massive survey down with hundreds of people. And we came, I think it was 88% of people surveyed at some point have been carrying cash and have chosen not to give money to a homeless person simply because they were afraid of how the money would be spent. Yeah. Um, which was insane to me. So that was big validation those two people ended up becoming like the first two members of the gift card team and we scaled it from there. So now is it 11? We have a team of 11 people right now, which is pretty okay. cool. All BC students, um, all juniors and two sophomores were the original freshmen who started it off. Um, and a couple people are abroad right now, but um, that's where we're at. That's the whole how gift card was founded. <laughs> gotcha. And, and I love how there is such a big um, emphasis on transparency because you, you actually mentioned it. Um, you know, the one thing that people are hesitant about is where the money is going to go. Even though if you, I feel if you're giving 
for from your heart and you're giving genuinely, you shouldn't really be worried about where the money is going. But I know people have past experiences. So um, I'm glad you were able to to provide a solution for that, because I know that's something that that people worry about a lot. Um, and another thing I thought about was that they could use the cards for ATMs. And you're saying that that that's not possible. So there's no way to get the money off. So it really protects the, the donors, right? Exactly. Got you. Um, in, in many cases, a lot of homeless people that we see in, in, in larger cities or that we just see um, in our neighborhoods are forgotten about and overlooked um, in our society. So how have you seen this, uh, the gift card impact or, or change their lives? Are there any personal stories that, that you can speak to that struck you? Yeah, so gift card is something that is still in trial basis. It's something we haven't mass deployed across Boston, across the country right now. The reason being of the, the legal implications of what we're doing can run alongside being a bank. And mm. so we have to be very careful to draw that distinction because if we had to take on the legal burden of being a bank as 10 students trying to do a nonprofit, there's no, <laughs> being a nonprofit <laughs> bank is just something that cannot be done. Right, right, right. The legality, the costs are in the millions of dollars. And so we're having to draw this very fine line of we're not a bank, we're a facilitator and a debit card issuer, but the banks, I mean, we don't even issue the debit cards, we work through a bank to do this. And so currently we're at a stage where we've got different versions of gift card running with different banks and different providers, but we're yet to seal down something we can scale across the country or even across Boston. Um, so I wouldn't say the program has even really like launched off right now. That being said, the the hope and the optimism that we've seen is huge. Um, I'll go into something called Give Hope in a little bit, which is a program that we're piloting as well um, right now that is still under the Give Card branch of everything we do and under the same vision, but a very different, a more to the ground experience, like a more focused on one person, like rather than reinventing donation. But I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, okay. But the, the impact we've seen now is where shall what we call shelter centric. So everything that we do with gift card surrounds the shelters. So we decide okay. we're students, we've never experienced homelessness, we have no expertise and we have no right to get to say what should be done, what shouldn't be done. And so we work directly with shelters right now. We're partnered with, um, not a, on an advisory basis, the Pine Street Inn, and then on a direct partnership, the uh, Woman's Lunch Place in downtown Boston. Okay. Um, and so basically these organizations help to shape what this has been mm -hmm. and from what we started we've seen a big change in how we carry out our decision making based mm -hmm. on all designing for people rather than designing as an abstract concept mm -hmm. uh, one example I can throw out right now is we were originally going to have like everything surrounding someone's story so when you originally would scroll through the site you'd select a homeless person, you see their story, but you'd also see all the details about their life. Like, okay, gotcha. Rachel, she's 27, she lived mm -hmm. in these cities, she used to do this, this is what happened to her, and the picture. And what we came to find is that people don't want this, like the actual homeless people don't want this. And this is only oh. through, through shelters that this was voiced. Like when we offer something like gift card to someone, it's very rare that they're going to turn it down because of the hope that it brings them. Like they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it, despite all the things that they might not like about like the fact that it's blasting their name on the internet or it's like mm. like it's stuff like that where maybe they'll come out of homelessness and sit in a job interview one day and right and they'll bring it up 
oh my god look at this this person struggling with opioid issues or with alcoholism but there's a there's a privacy uh there's privacy on that right yeah so that was the uh, that's what i'm getting into in the fact that um when the shelters talked about it and told us this we decided like the homeless people themselves never got interested with the shelters and working there. they said don't do this like I advise that you respect their privacy more and as much as they might say that they want to be publicized, they're doing like the hope that this program gives them is putting them past its like drawbacks and right. honestly create a program without the drawbacks, if that makes any sense. And so we've rebranded the idea and now it's like, it's not about selling people's stories and all their personal details so much as selling the, not even selling, but like publicizing this idea of uplifting someone because mm -hmm. you don't need to know that someone lived in Cincinnati and Minneapolis before they're homeless to have to want to give to them. Right. And so we're changing the way that we operate and work with shelters, um, which is a big thing. So we've definitely seen the optimism, especially in Boston about this program has been incredible. Um, we've seen, we get a ridiculous amount of job applications of people trying to join us all the time. We have to be like, we're students, we do not pay at all. <laughs> we're all volunteering, um, but it is really cool. That's what we've seen when we talk to people and they say, you know what, that could make a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is a good time to transition into what Give Hope is. Okay. Um, so basically Give Hope is a very micro, we call it a micro scheme, but the idea is, the whole idea of gift card is uplifting like giving homeless people across the nation this brand new way of like uplifting themselves. And um, there's more to gift card than just the card donations. Uh, with the card donations, it's almost like feeding, I don't know if you've ever heard, feed a man a fish for a day. Um, that, that whole method or uh, the whole metaphor. Uh, give a man um, a fish and he can Something like that. Fish forever. He's not a fish and he eats for a day. Teach yeah, him yeah. a fish and he eats for a lifetime. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the idea is the actual gift card program, like the donations are just to get people through their day-to-day -day problems. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to sustain people through homelessness. Our goal is to uplift them from homelessness. And so gift card also includes a lot of financial uh, training and financial aspects mm -hmm. where our partners have to meet with um, like financial experts every week and case agents to help them like analyze their saving like how much of your donation do you spend versus you save this week we also throwing in incentives so we say if you save x amount of your donations every week we'll actually pay and pay you and add this much more to your balance so incentivize mm -hmm. saving and stuff like that and then also incentivize investments we'll say if you're interested in this education program or this skill certification we'll pay half of it and that type of incentivization and make people make better decisions to help get them out of um, homelessness. And this is a whole project that we're really trying to pioneer. We don't see anyone in the space has ever done that, but we think that the donations combined with the financial um, uplifting programs, the financial coaching is what will get people out of homelessness. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. I was going to ask, is there a limit to how much people can donate? And is there a, is there a spending limit per week? I know you said they get an incentive if they save. So how do, how do the limitations work? Yeah. So the limitation right now is a legal limitation. Uh, to, so there's this thing called Know Your Consumer Law, KYC. And basically it surrounds a lot of things with card programs. And one way we can avoid breaching that law is if we say each card can have a maximum of a thousand dollars of balance on it um, okay. that's each card um, 
So that means each donate, like we can't let donations surpass a thousand dollars. If that happens, either we move the money to a separate savings account on behalf and a for benefit account on behalf of the homeless people, or we do an overflow. So we say, unfortunately, this person has reached their maximum amount of donations for this week or for today. Um, would you like to donate to, we can suggest other people, we can say, or to a general fund where your donation is split evenly amongst everyone. Okay, um, that's cool. Just to promote, like keep legal, because the biggest thing about this is when you're, so there are other people in the space um, that are trying to, there's, I think there's three different organizations that are trying to do this, like uh, bring digital donations to the homeless. The shortcomings of the other two are both of them are trying to create their own financial systems. So rather than integrating with real debit cards and real banks, they create their own virtual currency that, and you can only buy things at places that accept this. Mm. And while that is easier to deploy and like something you can get on the ground fast without worrying about the law that much, that limits financial freedom. Like um, one of the big criticisms is there's a program in Seattle, I believe it is. It's a great program, but a lot of the criticism is only coffee shops, like expensive coffee shops, accept the homeless persons like beacons. Mm. And so the problem we have is we don't want to donate to someone knowing all they can buy is expensive coffee, mm -hmm. which is fair, very valid. And so what we're doing is we're going the harder route, which is very legal heavy, uh, but we're trying, to, we're trying to integrate into the existing financial rails. And once we've successfully pulled that off, we believe it will be really revolutionary, not just for the homelessness space, but nonprofits in general. We'll see this first, like, I don't want to call it a bank, but this first nonprofit financial institution almost, which is pretty cool. And we've been working with a law firm called KNL Gates, who have been just incredible. They're working on us with us on a pro bono basis and getting towards that position. Yeah. Um, so they, you give out the cards and through the shelters, right? Yeah. Um, so donors can log in, they can donate to whoever they feel that uh, they want to donate. Is there any specific information on it at all anymore? I know you said you took like the storytelling part of it out. Um, or is it just names and ages? It's, uh, I, we avoid age, there's first name, and there can be a little bit of a description, but it's more a personality than a life. So it's like, okay. this is Roy, Roy loves music and Okay, dance. got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then from there, they start the financial coaching. So is there kind of like a time limit where they can receive these, the, these donations or stay on the card? And then after a certain point, they need to, you, it gets deactivated or how does that kind of, how does that transition work? So right now we don't have like a time limit of you have to leave homelessness by this point. Um, if anything, that shouldn't, that should be a red flag to us. Like, okay, we're not doing this right. If people are staying yeah, yeah. on the program too long, mm -hmm. um, we, there is a deactivation process where if someone is somehow finding ways to misuse the cards, we can mm -hmm. cancel them. But the, um, the idea right now is there's no time limit to do everything. As long as someone is being active, attending all their financial counseling yeah. office, like, meetings then we are meetings yeah. exactly um the meetings are central to the program unfortunately like at the end of the day there's only limited security that comes with a debit card like we add so many layers of protection to this like above cash and so many layers of transparency mm -hmm. but it's not a foolproof system by any means i believe there's no foolproof financial system in the sense that if a person wanted to they can give their debit card to someone else 
and just mm. trade that for cash, whatever the value on the card is. Mm. And that's why the importance of these financial uh, agent meetings are. The whole idea is that financial agents, agents should know the people so well that they understand their spending habits, that they know what these people need to buy and what they do buy. And so if this card is given out, it's an instant red flag. Like, okay, this is clearly not your spending. Why did you do this? Mm. Uh, so that's the okay. whole idea of this. It's a way of keeping tabs. And that's another reason why, at least in the beginning, we're keeping this program very, very small. small yeah. um, to, because we have to like figure out all these little things that could go wrong and iron them out before we start blasting this nationwide. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts personally on how society is going cashless? Are you for it? Are you against it? I'm for the convenience. I am very much for the convenience. The <laughs> other day I needed to buy a bike um, and it was raining every other day, but this day in the week and I went down to a place in Cambridge um, and I realized I'd forgotten all my cash. I'd even forgotten my debit card. And I was like, I really need this bike today. I need to get back on the bike. Mm -hmm. Apple Pay. I paid it with Apple Pay. And I just found yeah. that amazing. I'd never used Apple Pay before, but I had it set up. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's amazing. So I think just the convenience of payments accelerates economic growth and everything. Like people are more likely to pay when all it takes is a tap or a yeah. swipe than it is. So easy, yeah. Um, so I'm all I'm for economic development. Mm. Uh, econ, uh, econ is one of my majors, mm. and I'm very much for promoting economic growth and uh, aggregate demand. So I'm a big fan of it. But there are some huge shortcomings with it that I see, especially in the homelessness space. Mm -hmm. We're yet to identify. I mean, not just homelessness, but low-income people in general, or people that are char characterized as unbankable. Mm -hmm. Typically, anyone that really wouldn't benefit from putting their stuff in a bank, maybe because of fears of overdraft or anything, yeah. they're becoming really marginalized. Yeah. Um, I think recently I wrote a, an article on Amazon Go, the, the Amazon store, where, which is completely cashierless, mm -hmm. is also completely cashless. And um, Amazon faced a lot of backlash because people who didn't have debit cards or people who didn't have uh, like homeless people who had the money to mm. buy something and it's very convenient and also there's a aspect of a lack of judgment uh, where a homeless person who would go to a store like that knows they don't have to deal with a cashier so they don't have to deal even if they legitimately acquired that money mm -hmm. a lot of homeless people face the stigma of like people question how they got the money and mm -hmm. how they're going to spend it and so the mm. idea of the cashier of the store can be like great for homeless people because they don't have to deal with that judgment yeah but these stores wouldn't support them and i i applaud amazon after a lot of backlash they finally said you can somehow pay with cash they'll figure out a way wow. um, i don't know if they've That's actually awesome. gone around and done that but they're trying to figure out a way so i applaud that um i think organizations should keep an ear to the ground as we go cashless to make it possible to still accept cash yeah I mean, cash has sustained the economy for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important. But yeah, those are my thoughts. What are some of your, your challenges with balancing your nonprofit and your career in general um, with your, your, your school? Yeah. Um, so as I said, I'm a computer science and econ major. And um, Boston College is a great school. But with that means classes are not easy. And mm -hmm. especially my two majors are really, really demanding. Um, which makes it tough. I have to say that when I properly launched gift card, when I realized that this would be something I was really working on, I had to acknowledge myself. I knew I 
I basically had to give up on having the best grades or give up on being anything mm. more than an average student at best because it is honestly not very possible to do this, to be a top-ranked student and also to run a nonprofit and to do other things that I happen to do. It's just not possible. That being said, it's possible to balance everything as long as I concede being an average student. Um, it's just a matter of working weird hours, which is something that being a student is conducive yeah, to do. Yeah. Often yeah. most of my, uh, so Friday is a day that I don't really have class. I spend most of my Friday um, dealing with emails and meetings. I take, I tend to do a lot of meetings um, with any random people, to be honest. I'm a big fan <laughs> of taking every possible meeting available because basically some of my greatest and most inspiring meetings have been ones that I like would normally, like, I would have never taken it had I not had this attitude, if this makes sense, like completely mm. irrelevant things. Were, were um, you like that before? Were you, uh, you were just open to a lot of different conversations or, okay. No, it was definitely, it was even before gift card, I was working, I still do have an app um, that's doing pretty well, but I was working on this app and I remember I was set up with a meeting with someone who had absolutely no relevance. And at that point I thought I was some big shot, even though this app was barely performing, like I had, no time to meet this guy. I'm not doing it. But I was told, like, just go to the meeting and just meet this guy. And um, met him and literally just blew my mind the things he talked about and the way he talked about things. And from that moment on, it was like every meeting I need to take because you never know what people are going to come up with or how people think. Um, I've started getting into a lot of books about very different ways of thought. Like, I'm trying to be more eclectic. I try to do a book a week is my new thing that I'm trying to do. Okay. Every different thought right now, I'm just doing one on mindfulness and um, just awareness of problems rather than having to have opinions on them, which is everything is really interesting right now. So I'm trying to get into this mindset of take every opportunity and don't be too opinionated to give things a go, mm, which I, like um, I think has been really helpful in everything we've done. Yeah. Uh, that comes yeah. down to, to ego too, because it, it shows you that you don't know everything and every conversation you can learn from, no matter who it's with, whether it's with some, a CEO or whether it's with somebody who happens to be homeless at the, at the time. So um, I'm sure that that's something you think about too. Exactly. It's very recently, actually, we faced a situation where we're trying to launch this thing called Give Hope, which again, I'll get into in a mm-hmm. bit. Um, but we wanted to get some advice from a, a couple of organizations abroad. And so we reached out to four of them and three of them set up meetings with us and we had this incredible chat and all three of them said like, this blew their minds how we're approaching things. They were inspired by it. And we're not like, we're a nonprofit. We're not trying to compete with anyone. We don't view other nonprofits as competition. Mm-hmm. So we gave them all the technical details and how we work. And I mean, they're abroad, like how they can do what we do and everything like that. We we're sharing information with them. And then it came to one organization where the response my emails are simple, like, I'd love to get on a 10-minute chat. This is what we do. This is how we can synergize. I can see us both benefiting from this. Let's get a quick 10-minute chat or a coffee or something. And the response was, um, we're too busy for that, no matter how good the idea is. Wow. And that was kind of, this was a, a couple months ago, but it was kind of a realization of, I never want to be like that. Like, regardless mm-hmm. of where we're at, we're still growing. But even if we, like, get to that point where we have this importance as business we never want to say we're too important for a 10 minute chat yeah just 10 minutes and there's a lot of time in the day as much as we like to think that time is limited that's true but you'll you'll also get 
to a point as a leader um, where you just genuinely, you won't have time for everything. So I'm sure there will be somebody on your team that, you know, will be able to handle a lot of those things and funnel them through and then, and then they'll get to you as well. How, exactly. how important and integral is the team that you have now and how did you kind of pick who would be a part of this? I know you said you're two friends from the beginning. Um, yeah. Who's the rest of the team? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I approach building gift card in a very different way. So I'm also very involved in startups and non and uh, entrepreneurship, but I approach building the gift card team in a very different way because with a startup, you're looking for people with expertise, but also people that are really like with a startup, you want people that can be worth their shares because at the end of the day, you give people a part of what you're building. And I recognize when I was building gift card that it's very different with gift card. People aren't getting money out of this. Like we're not, we're all volunteering. We're all not taking any money out of what we have right now and what we've raised. Um, so with gift card, I realized it's very important to build a team that one loves what they do and are really passionate about the space and two really gets on with each other because without there being a personal gain other than the like seeing us uplift people without us, not getting anything but that emotional uplifting and with the difficulty of the program like I recognize it take about a year to build I needed a team that would stick through it and still be energized and keep working on this despite not seeing progress in the day-to-day -day. like if you look at gift card now versus gift card a year ago it's incredible what had happened but if you look in between weeks like week to week it seemed like nothing was happening and so I needed a team that could um stick it through those tough times yeah and um thankfully i had a team that stuck with those uh tough times basically i just i looked for people that were really excited the entire we went from just me to those first two people to 10 people or to the, the first nine people all within a week um there was no interview process or no hiring it was basically anybody that showed incredible excitement for this program um i would say do you want to join this with me? And I would warn them, like, this is a lot to do. There's like yeah, crazy yeah. how much goes on, but would you want to do this? And they would, if they said yes, then that's the two. <laughs> that was just for the first nine people. After that, the process changed a lot because now we have nine people and only so much to do. Then it's when I'm like, unless you really impress us, like we're not really looking to hire any more people. And we did end up onboarding two more people after that point. One just a few weeks ago and then one a couple months into gift card um two girls were incredible but yeah the first people that joined were either people who i was just friends with people who i'd been on a company before with and like showed that they would stick it through with me despite things going wrong like we'd previously had a fail company but we still stuck it through and stayed mm -hmm. friends and i said like if they're willing to get back on a project with me that shows that they're mm -hmm. passionate about what they do and then one of my favorite things is three of gift cards people who just have a load of passion. I met them at a networking event and um, I, I was casually mentioning gift card to a friend of mine, uh, just saying how that was going. And the three of them all like ran up like, oh my God, like, what is that? That sounds really cool. We kept awesome. talking. They all got my number. And then at exactly the same time that night, like exactly within two minutes of each other, all three of them texted me saying, hey, this sounds amazing. Can we get coffee? I want to talk more about this. And I was like, okay, these three people, like <laughs> they know they really want to be this and they have proven their medal, which is amazing. So, That's um, so awesome. The hiring about... Go, Go ahead. Yeah, the hiring for gift card is not like a typical job interview. It was just show your passion, 
and show you're going to stick it through despite this not being what you think it's going to be for a while and then um you're in <laughs> what what other uh skills were you looking for like was it specifically you were looking for like a web developer or a designer or a writer what what other skills were you looking for them to have yeah so I, my background is engineering so initially i said we don't need someone with a specific skill in engineering um we have three engineering capable people on the team uh it's but myself and then one of the girls we onboarded a couple months in uh, anna peterson we both handle the engineering but when we hire the people we said most of what we do is work with shelters and work with, working with homeless people and so all i needed was people that were personable like people who could mm -hmm. really get on with yeah. people well and then there are of course like some roles like um our vice president of finance he had to be highly financially technical mm -hmm. and the less um the other stuff didn't matter that much like you don't need to be a ridiculously good people person if you're good at like managing the money and like understanding finance and so that happened to be someone that i lived with freshman year mm -hmm. um who had a great finance mind so it was like most of the role were people everyone was pretty much hired on their people skills and just okay. how interact and their excitement and it just so happens that we have engineers on the team that are engineering capable and it just so happens we have a financial guy and uh, it just so happens that we have some great writers that do a lot of our like articles and email outreach and everything like that got you yeah. were you uh did you run any type of nonprofits before this or were they just other for-profit businesses and what did you learn from those businesses not working out yeah so the first thing um that i did at call my first time working for anyone ever was uh, myself i worked for a non-profit actually they were called give drops uh, which i'm now thinking back on it sounds like we were really inspired by them when we gave yeah. them. i did not realize that until right now <laughs> but um what they did is they were roundup donation system and so you connect your bank account to the system uh, to their platform and essentially say you spent like seven fifty on a coffee. Okay, that's way too expensive for a coffee. Mm -hmm. Say so you spent seven fifty on a sandwich. It okay. would round up the fifty cents. Yeah. And donate that to a charity of your choice. And okay. I okay. Across that on an article or on Facebook or something, I just cold call like cold outreach the CEO, guessed his email, and I said, I really want to start a Boston team for your company because they do it in the West Coast will you let me? I'm a current student. And we talked for a good hour and he said, sure, like start a team, hire people and just let's figure out how to make this happen. Mm. Um, and it was cool. So I, that one, I did these big technical interviews and like, I think I weeded it down from, I just posted the BC Facebook group from 30 applicants to, I think a team of six. Um, and it felt very real. We all met in suits and we had no idea what we we're doing. We we're still freshmen. Um, and we did, to be honest, didn't do anything productive for that company. <laughs> um, I don't think it's still going on now. Eventually, we had a word with the founder who actually, he came up to meet us at some point as well, flew up mm. from LA to Boston. Um, and he decided that it was best that we separated. Just because, you know, it, wasn't, it was pretty much axing us, but it just wasn't working out. We're seven students, all freshmen, mm. who had no idea what we were doing and trying yeah. to run like a Boston branch of a company. Um, and then since then, I so two of the people from that, or actually, no, excuse me, six of the people from that um, can end up starting a company with me, a for-profit company called Canner, which is a data over audio company. And it was like, mm -hmm. imagine QR codes, which again is somewhat 
influence gift cards donation system, but QR codes, but rather than scanning them by looking at them, scanning the sound, like having an audio tune, hearing that sound and turning that into like a link or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually a pretty cool idea. And when we worked on it, we're the only people in the space and we did build the world's fastest version of it, which was pretty cool. Like we had some awesome tech going on, but a couple companies opened in Silicon Valley. And again, we were still freshmen at this point. We we're way too young, had no idea how to run a company. Everyone was a CEO or a CFO or a CMO, like CXO suite roles, but we never did anything real. And I didn't really understand how to peer lead at that point yet. Like I didn't really get, how do you get people to work on this thing? How do you allocate shares? Mm. Like how does the startup work? And unfortunately, the disorganization, just the fact that there's a, now I think they're worth $100 million in San Francisco company competing with us meant we shut down. Mm. Um, so that was a big thing. And then after that, I launched a company that I still own. Uh, it's called RPet. Mm-hmm. And I still actively work on too. It's like a family pet care app. And now we sell commercial pet care management software to a couple um big like to any like nearby dog kennels or like dog walking facilities or pet stores and everything We're based just all in one system for these stores and that's been going well and I've seen myself develop over time as an entrepreneur and learning how to peer lead and how do you get people that are your age or perhaps even older than you to listen to what you say and also to work with you and I've kind of discovered that and that's a big thing is build culture, um, build mm-hmm. a culture in your team, mm-hmm. be authentic to that culture and don't make decisions or don't do anything that breaches that culture. Like when you make a decision, the first thing you think about is what well, does it fit our culture beyond anything else? Mm-hmm. And so you started doing that and developing these cultures. That is really what's helping give card to flourish. Like our team beyond everything else are now really, really close friends. And we've done some like amazing hangouts uh, we're, we're heading up <laughs> the woods in a month uh, on Halloween weekend and just going to stay in a cabin in the woods, the whole team. That's awesome. Things like that to keep everyone tight and keep everyone focused is one of the biggest things I've learned. I also spent the last summer solely working on these projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided not to take a job uh, last summer and rather to work entirely on building out this vision. Um, and so I was part of a startup accelerator by Boston College um, alumni who oh, really, cool. like, when you spend a whole summer working in downtown Boston on your projects, you learn a lot about entrepreneurship. We had weekly, um, like, I think we met five men- new mentors every week who are big shots in the tech space, and then weekly workshops and uh, lectures, fireside chats. And so it became ingrained in me, like, understanding lean entrepreneurship. And so it was a very gradual development until now, but now I feel like I finally understand um, how things are going. And I mean, from that beginning, from the team that did give drops back two and a half years ago when I was a freshman, three people, or sorry, two people are still with me on gift cards. They've stuck it through for two and a half years of Mm. failure, Um, which is just important to me to show that these people believe in what I'm trying to build. build. Um, which is huge to me. It shows that if you invest in the people that work with you and you mm. don't skimp out and you don't try to cheat them, you make sure that they have equal part to play, um, these people will show like what they're worth. And they really do show what they're worth. They're incredible. Um, That's awesome. It's, yeah. It sounds like you've just learned so much over your entrepreneurial journey and you're still 
uh, an undergrad student. Um, was an entrepreneur something that you always wanted to be? And is it, were your, were your parents entrepreneurs? How did you kind of start with on this journey? Yeah, both my parents are actually entrepreneurs, but entre- being an entrepreneur is the furthest thing from what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, both my parents are into small restaurants and hospitality. Um, they have been for as long as I remember. Both my mom and my dad run separate things and they love it. Like they could never see themselves doing something else. Mm-hmm. It definitely keeps them busy. And I've seen the work ethic of them working seven days a week. Like I've seen that entrepreneur and like no holiday is a real holiday. Like they'll always be working. Mm-hmm. I've seen that side of entrepreneurship. Like it takes a grind. It takes a constant thing, uh, like a constant drive and determination. I've seen that like the rough periods too, that there's no like sweetness if something goes wrong like living in Malawi if there was a power cut which happened almost daily Mm. my mom wouldn't be able to keep the restaurant open because it would cost more to run the generators than it would than the money she'd make from the people yeah that was kind of this realization that entrepreneurship is not easy and they're going to be really bitter times (laughs) and so as a child I said like very open I'm never getting into this thing Mm. I'm gonna go work at Google, work in big tech, and like live easier. Um, And then it came, I still had this goal of working big tech until before this last summer. Uh, Last year, I still thought I was going to be working big tech. The whole, I never really started these companies to be an entrepreneur or started these projects to be an entrepreneur. I started them because these are cool projects and these are problems that I think were worth solving and that's the only reason I've been doing them Um, I never really thought about it as oh this makes me an entrepreneur Uh it was more just I really want to fix this I really want to see improved Um, and it's only like now this last summer when I worked on my own thing the entire summer then come back to school and hear about all my friends that work the big tech internships it's when I realized I can't do big tech (laughs) that Mm. um it's just the the difference of making your own decisions and like being authentic to yourself and not having to apologize and not having to um, accustom yourself to what the people above you do, but rather creating everything yourself, even if it means you make a decision that will harm the profits of the company, but stays authentic to what you believe in. Mm. At least I know that I'm staying authentic to what I believe in, not skimping in moral values and in a bigger company, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Like I'd have yeah. to be listening to what my superior corporate. Is. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. And I, I realized this summer that being in control and doing real meaningful, impactful work where every line of code I write is a line of code in a customer's hand or every meeting I have is going to be something implemented into real life. That's when I kind of realized I have to work on something impactful and that entrepreneurship might be the way for me. Wow. Which, it's been a, an interesting journey. This is a very like eye-opening summer for me. Awesome. And you still have so far to go. So what's the future for gift card? Yeah. So the future for gift card is, um, I can finally get into give hope. Okay. <laughs> um, finally. <laughs> so gift card has launched a new initiative. It's a pilot initiative we call give hope. Um, the essential thing of give hope is it's vocational training for the homeless, uh, crowdfunded vocational training. So the idea is, uh, we identify a homeless person from a shelter that has shown a real desire to get a job, but has struggled. It's not easy as a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And typically this is someone in temporary housing rather than rough sleeping 
just because uh, I'll explain the program a little more and then it'll be clear why a rough sleeper would really struggle to do this program. But we'd find someone in temporary housing that has this desire to find a job but has struggled. We'll part we partner with the career discernment organization. We'll sit down with them, try to figure out what do you want to do with your life? What makes you feel like, uh, I like this Boston College ideal, but they say, what do you want to do? What are you good at? And what does the world need you to do? That is something that Boston College really pushes on us um, as students. And this is something we're kind of going to put over to the people. It's like, what do you want to do? And what does the world want you to do? And um, it's kind of like help them discern what they want to do. Then from there, we find a vocational training program or a technical skills program. Like say someone wants to become a plumber, we'll find a plumbing certification and say the cost is $9,000. To do that, we'll crowdfund it on our website. So, we'll, mm. so we'll put up like a campaign, almost like a GoFundMe, mm -hmm. and we'll say, "This is this press. This is Eric. Eric is trying to do a uh, plumbing degree. To do like donate as much as you can or as little as you can. It's fine." And we like crowdfund this whole volume until we hit that nine thousand dollars, and then we ensure the completion. So we're gonna work with Eric, meet him all the time, and make sure that he gets through the certification help him through his troubles, help him get through homework, like really be there for him and be this like support system. Once he's done that, we'll help him find a job, like help with job placement through another partnered organization. Once he's found job placement, we're gonna help him find housing and help him transition into housing. So mm -hmm. every step of the spectrum, this is a much more holistic thing where from the beginning of finding someone to the very end of putting them in a house, we wanna be a part of that. And because of that focus and that intense thing, we're only trying to work with one person at a time and just getting them through the program one at a time mm -hmm. to make sure that our entire team, like they have 10 or 11 people just attentive to their needs. Um, and it's, Is we there think a, it, a, a mental health aspect that, that you address on a trauma aspect from the things that they may have seen when they were homeless or the reason that they actually ended up homeless? Yeah, so being shelter-centric, uh, typically homeless people in the shelters have a case agent. Okay. And so we will work with these case agents too and help talk, like help work with them. And then the career uh, discernment officers are typically also there to help these people. Like we're, we just want to guide them through everything, make sure everything's okay. But yeah, mental health is very important. We think the case agents are very well. Like we're again, we're students. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things we don't have expertise in, and that's why at every step of the way I mentioned, we partner with other organizations. Gotcha. We yeah. don't try to do what we don't have the experience. <laughs> right, right. All the dots. Okay, so you have a person in place for each step of of the of the training. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. So that's a new program we're piloting. Um, we're not. This isn't something like gift card where we're redefining what's possible. This is not something that's brand new. I know it's been done before, not in the U.S. and definitely not in Boston, but it's been done abroad in England and has shown huge like success rates. Um, and so basically we're trying to, we say we have the team, we have the resources. And while we're setting up this banking, and we also have the, um, I don't use the word clout, but we, we, there's definitely like something behind the name gift card now. We've built a very good, very powerful brand. Um, especially on LinkedIn, we've seen a ton of support there. Mm. And so we say, while most of our team are waiting on this card program to go through, um, so why don't we all work and give hope and help that like become a thing while we rather than sit idle. Another big thing about my team is 
they hate to do nothing. They're not people who are like, oh, we have no work from gift card this week. Yes, I'm relaxing. It's right. like, hey, Lorraine, what can we do? We have no work from gift card this week. And that's a huge, like, very awesome thing about my team. Like, they really take the initiative. Uh, a big part of our company culture that I recently introduced, it's called Extreme Ownership. Um, it's based this idea. It's written, it comes from a book from an ex, I think he was a Navy SEAL or a Marine. I think it's a Marine. Um, but basically it's this idea that every single person on the team is gift card and every single person has as much ownership in what we're doing as everyone else. Even if they're the brand new person or even if they're the intern, every success of gift card is their personal success and every failure is their personal failure. And so what that means is if there's, if everyone's waiting on someone else to do a task, it's not just that person's fault for being slow on their task, but the entire team's fault for not helping them get through their task faster. And by instilling that in our culture and like really pushing the team to take ownership of everything we do, we found that some people are like already, like this is a very new thing we've introduced, like we're behind and reaching out to shelters. And so there's a literal committee made within our team to just get this outreach going and speed up our working with shelters. And it's really awesome to see the team really take this extreme ownership of everyone. Um, so it's very cool to see how culture actualizes itself. That's awesome. 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 I love the mission. Um, I love that you've provided a solution to a, a very real problem, um, not just in Boston, but all over the country and, and globally as well. Um, so where can people find Give Card? Where can they reach out to you? Um, you know, give them all your, your contact information, the website and all that stuff. Yeah. So to uh, find Give Card, givecard.io is uh, the main website for Give Card. I believe if you just Google Give Card, though, it comes up now. It's all one word. Uh, but I believe it comes up as a top result. Um, and then if you want to contact me, just Lorraine, L-U-R-E-I-N at givecard.io. Um, and we're very responsive. We, like I said, we reply to everyone and everything. <laughs> and, and you so take every, you take every meeting, right? We take every meeting. <laughs> Not awesome. even someone in the team. We always take every meeting. Awesome. Awesome. So if you see some uh, opportunities to uh, partner with Lorraine and with GiveCard and you think you can add some value to uh, his organization, then definitely reach out to him. Um, I'll put the contact information in the description on the, uh, the Facebook um, video. And this will also be on our website at penji.co. So uh, you can find out more information about him and his organization there. Um, so everyone, thank you again for listening and watching. And Lorraine, thank you again for joining me.